most people, the only thing they know about astrology is the sun sign, which is the sign you were born under. I'm a Capricorn. You're a Sagittarius. This one's an Aries. And that isn't even a drop in the ocean. So here are some basics about astrology. The idea is that when we emerge into this lifetime, when we emerge from the womb, our cosmic DNA is somewhat stamped into us as far as opportunities, struggles, events that might unfold over our lives. And where that's coming from is based on the current planetary positions at the time of our birth. Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences, or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we, we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So great to have you here listening to us. I have a guest today who I'm super excited to ask some questions of and to get his input just on astrology in general. Okay, so I just broke that piece, astrology. But it's more than that. So let me just tell you a little bit about him. Michael Spermuli is a data-driven workplace personality expert who happens to be a professional astrologer with about 30 years of interpreting astrology charts. His journey began with a reading from a professional astrologer pre-grad school, and he says that experience changed his life. I'm certainly going to ask him about that. Michael's expertise lies in uncovering the individual opportunity trends for people by interpreting how transitioning planets affect or impact their birth chart. But what sets Michael apart from other astrologers is his scientific approach to the subject. He reviews and participates in current vibrational astrology research, which is happening at a brisk pace. So I want to get into that too. Welcome to the show, Michael. So great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Karen. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for saying yes. Okay, my first question is, you had a reading before you went to grad school, and two questions. What was your major going to be, and why did you have a reading? Very good question. So I was between undergraduate and grad school. My background, and I guess still is, was in clinical psych. So my undergraduate was in psych. I was working at a hospital at the time, and I wasn't quite sure which direction I was going in. And it's like I wanted to apply to grad school. I wasn't sure. what. So a colleague at work had gifted me a reading with a professional astrologer, which was brand new to me because I was raised in a faith-based system that said, oh, no, no, you can't do astrology. So I was a little ambivalent, but I said, you know what? I'm going to have the reading. And it was wild because with nothing more than my birth date, time, and location, this astrologer, and I should note the term professional is very, very important in this context. Okay. Everyone can study astrology. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people doing astrology, doing quote, air quotes, astrology online and 
on social platforms. But that's different than someone who spent a good chunk of their life studying the mechanics of this stuff. So anyway, this was a professional and she proceeded to summarize my entire life up till that point, hit on key things that I was dealing with at the moment, and then proceeded to do some forecasting as far as things that would unfold moving down the road. And of course, I kept an eye on those areas that she said the trends would, would potentially happen. And I'd say about 85% of them ended up bearing out. So I ended up going to graduate school after that, partly based on her advice. Well, I, I should say that that was kind of my plan. I got reassurance to do that. My graduate degree was also in clinical psych. And that's what sparked the curiosity in me about astrology was having that first reading and encounter with her. But then I had to kind of put it on ice for a while because academic institutions at the time, you know, you can't mention astrology, forget about it. It totally cuts against what they're all about. Yeah. So that's kind of what got me into this. I kind of had to take my interest and in study underground uh, a little bit as I was going through graduate school. But that was the foundation that 20 some odd years later, I'd realized, well, you know what? This is where we're going to be moving into and doing that as a professional career. And was that kind of shocking? Because, I mean, with a psychology background, moving into astrology is kind of different. Well, yeah, yes and no. So, I mean, for me, it's not all that shocking because if you look at astrology, astrology is the oldest system to humankind to be able to look at, classify, and organize human behavior. So if you look at Carl Jung, who's a very famous psychologist in the 70s, was kind of his prime. Yeah. He's long since passed. But he was the one who came up with the concept of the collective unconscious. He was the one who was talking about everyone kind of being part of something. If you look through the psychology history, you'll see little nuances here and there that link back to astrology because astrology really sets the stage for everything. Every psychometric assessment that I use when working with companies, when I'm not doing astrology and, and helping them identify top performers, every one of those assessments has their roots in an astrological system. They don't want to admit that, but they do because there's only so many ways to slice and dice human behavior. So I had a conversation with someone recently who I'd lost touch with for 20 years. And I told them what I was up to and, you know, very scientifically minded. And they just kind of shook their head, which, you know, I expect, you know, when you tell someone you're an astrologer, you get ready for the looks because it happens. You know, the people think you're a little off. You're, but then when I start to explain the type of astrology that I do, they begin to realize, okay, it's not a bunch of, you know, chanting and, and howling at the moon. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But it is a very scientifically based approach as far as following certain protocols and procedures to make sure that things are consistent as opposed to just a scattershot, go fly by the seat of your pants and interpret things intuitively. Okay. So for me and some of the listeners that don't have a real good understanding of astrology in general, so if I'm a Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was all there was to know. And then people started talking about moon signs and sun signs and risings. And you want a crash course of 20 years in two minutes, but I could do that. Okay, good. So, yeah, I, and I think it's very important. You raise a really good question because most people, 
The only thing they know about astrology is the sun sign, which is the sign you were born under. I'm a Capricorn. You're a Sagittarius. This one's an Aries. And that isn't even a drop in the ocean. So here are some basics about astrology. And I'll give you the vibrational astrology theory. And we say theory because theories are never, ever, ever a fact. All you can have is more evidence. Theories never become a fact. So whenever someone says it's proven, that's a whole other conversation. Right. So the idea is that when we emerge into this lifetime, when we are, you know, emerge from the womb, our cosmic DNA is somewhat stamped into us as far as opportunities, struggles, events that might unfold over our lives. And where that's coming from is based on the current planetary positions at the time of our birth. Because the signs that everyone knows about in vibrational astrology, believe it or not, we use them very little. Because what the research has indicated, you know, over 40 years, and we can talk about who the founder of VA is in, in a little bit, is that the signs just give a little flavor to how things get played out. But where the action happens is from the planets. So well, what planets are you talking about, Spermuli? Well, you know, we start with, you know, the first two, which are not technically planets. They're luminaries, but we refer to them as planets, sun and moon. Okay. And then you go on up the line to Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, Uranus, the whole nine years. Every planet in vibrational astrology regulates a specific process. So the sun makes things current, front and center in our life. The moon regulates our emotions and our feelings. Saturn, which often gets a bad rap in astrology, it takes out clutter and helps us focus on the here and now. There are 10 of these planetary bodies. And what makes us all unique as individuals is the configuration of those planets in the sky at the moment that we're born, that becomes our natal chart. You've probably heard the term before, birth yep. chart or natal chart. That's where that comes from. All it is, is a map of the sky. But what makes us different is the angular relationship and angular distance of these planets interacting with one another that gives us our own unique cosmic serial number. We all have these different circuits at our disposal, and we have more than we can ever get to in a lifetime. So what astrology does, at least from a vibrational standpoint, is look at, all right, how do we help you figure out where these circuits are placed and ultimately how energy is optimally designed to flow through you? And that's kind of the crux of what I do. It doesn't negate free will. It doesn't force someone into a particular situation. And in its simplest terms, I define astrology as like a cosmic weather report. And the weather analogy holds up really well. If you want to go to the beach this weekend, where I'm at, it's very cold. You probably don't want to do that. But there's a good example right there. What are you going to do? You're going to look at the weather report. And you're going to see what the conditions are prior to going to the beach. Now, it could be cold, dreary, and rainy. But guess what? You can still go to the beach if you want. It's probably not going to be all that great of a time, but you can still go to the beach. Well, when someone has certain planets in the sky, which are always moving, connecting with planets in their natal chart, which stays the same, that causes different type of energy patterns because vibrational astrology is an energy-based model. And let me explain that for a second. We're looking at how energy is designed to optimally flow. 
And because these planets all regulate a specific process, when we combine different planets in certain combinations, it's like making a recipe for a cake or a dish or anything that you, you prefer. It varies what the output is based on how much of that planet is involved, how long it's involved, what other ingredients slash other planets it's involved with. So the idea of being able to look at what you're working with from your natal chart and then comparing that to what's going on in the sky helps give people some insight as to trends that they can expect and how things actually will end up going based on what activities they choose to engage in. So again, that's probably not even a thimble full of information, but that's the general gist. We don't work with archetypes in vibrational astrology. Traditional astrology works from the archetypal model, meaning you know certain things represent various patterns or symbols in people's lives. The moon represents your mother or Saturn may represent the father. That's in traditional astrology. And I'm not knocking traditional astrology. What VA does is seeks to find what is the energy that drives those archetypes because archetypes have to come out of something. Right. So we're looking at what is the underpinning energy and that's what we focus on. And it's a slightly radical way of looking at things, but me being a data guy, because you had asked about my background as far as clinical psych, that's how I was able to have it square for me. I mean, I did traditional astrology for a long time, but there were parts that just didn't seem to fit and that didn't sit well with me. Yeah. So when I ran across the vibrational astrology system and research was encouraged and data analysis is what we do to make sure that concepts are consistent, that really connected and hit home. And it's, ah, finally, I could blend these two worlds together. Interesting. So that really speaks to me that it's about how the energy comes through our body and how everything is aligned. And that weather report analogy, I had to write some things down because, you know, you just created another 10 questions for me. So we'll be done tomorrow afternoon. I, <laughs> I don't think either one of us wants that, but. So it's determined by the time that we come in here. And I know that your childhood background, you said it had something to do with religion. We didn't get into it. But I'm curious because I believe that we choose when we come to Earth. Do you suppose we choose the exact time that we come based on the astrology, the planets and everything? I mean, how do you validate that? I don't know. I mean, I have no yeah. idea. I could deal with the here and now. Yeah. But who knows? You know, so with VA, because energy is the core of what we're looking at, and I don't want to go too far into the rabbit hole here because we, we can end up really getting immersed but if we look at what's happening in physics, and when we saw it just last year, there was a study that was done where they took an atom, and I'm oversimplifying this. I'm not a physicist. I'm not pretending to be. They took an atom. They split it in half. They put one part of the atom here, the other part two miles away someplace. And what they discovered is when they made changes to one of those split atoms, the other atom ended up experiencing a similar change. Pretty wild stuff. Very. If Energy can't be created or destroyed, and it just changes form, then that tends to open up the door of saying, well, huh, well, maybe we have always been here for a long time and just have been in different forms, potentially. And that also lends support for astrology from the standpoint of the planets in the sky creating resonance with the energy that has been stamped into us 
it raises some real compelling questions. And I think now's a good time to talk about David Cochran because he's kind of the mastermind behind vibrational astrology. Since 1972, this man has been doing research on tens of thousands of people and conducting interviews and reviewing their charts and saying, this placement theoretically means this. What's going on in your world? I mean, he did this for years and years and years and years. And finally, it all came together in the early 2000s when he blended that data along with the basis of traditional astrology and discovered that things are all interconnected with these vibrations. And he's still alive and well doing active research today, making discoveries with him and his teams at a frantic pace, because now we have the computing power to be able to do it on a desktop. I mean, years ago, if you wanted a chart done, you had a hand calculated. It was impossible to do massive data set analysis, but we can do that and start to see where these trends coalesce and what doesn't hold up. Here's an interesting tidbit for you. Everyone says, oh, well, this sign will marry and tend to get along better with that sign. These couples have the best shot of being together. We hear that all the time. You see it in the popular press. He recently conducted a study and analyzed the charts of about 21,000 married couples to look to see were there any predominant sun signs. And we're just speaking of the sign you were born under. Oh, and the, the sun sign, which is everyone's sign that they're aware of. Yeah. Were there any particular patterns that stood out in the data that ended up producing a long lasting relationship? And he looked at the data 18 ways to Sunday, as they say down here in the South. And guess what he discovered? There was zero, <laughs> zero correlation of a statistically significant nature that the signs had anything to do with who we met, whether the relationship worked, the level of satisfaction, nothing to do with it. What he did discover is that it's the planetary placements in our charts that when we come together as a partnership and a couple, there's certain resonance that is formed between one person's energy and someone else's energy. And the signs, again, just give you a little flavor. So you're you're a Sagittarius, you mentioned, correct? Yes. Okay. So what is your understanding of what a traditional Sagittarian person is? The only thing that has stuck in my head, because I believe it to be true of mm-hmm. me, is we like to travel. Okay. So in here's what the VA research has shown about Sagittarius. And, and you're actually, you're right on the money. Travel can be part of it. You see, so here, here's a good example. For you, it happens to be travel and physically going places. So do you go see different countries and you know, what have you? Okay. But here's the underpinning. See in VA, we strip things down to the basic meaning. What Sagittarius tends to be is the desire and a drive to explore everything, explore new things. Yes, that can be travel. Yeah. But not every Sagittarian goes out and travels. Right. Explore the world through their computer through YouTube videos, studying different cultures or learning about different construction methods or, 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 or. So travel can certainly be included in that. But to make the statement that all Sagittarians like to travel, it's just simply not true. However, people who have a sun, Sagittarius or other critical placements, uh, moon and or a lot of placements in Sagittarius, you know, three or four planets tend to have this desire 
to want to explore. Life is an adventure. They want to see what's on the other side of the mountain. And that tends to hold up. So we're all about getting rid of stuff that sounds good, but doesn't really play out to get to those core energies that are you know, pretty much, I don't want to say guaranteed because there are no guarantees, but if you ask those of you who are listening who may be Sag or know people with Sag in your life, test it out. Right. Do these folks have the desire to want to go and explore and view life as an adventure? And I think you'll find that most of them who have prominent Sag placements would agree with that statement. Yeah, that really resonates with me as exploration because I also love to learn new things. So Exactly. Yeah. So a Sag can take a book on, let's say, uh, Egyptology and dive into that for two weeks and never leave their house. They're not traveling physically. Right. But in their mind and in their psyche and from an educational standpoint, they're learning and exploring and figuring out all sorts of unique things. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So how does a person use this? You talk about astrology being like a GPS mm -hmm. for a life. And when do I need to have a chart read or when do I talk to an astrologer or is it something I talk once and then I have information for a long time? How does that work as a client or as a person, you know, seeking to know more? So it all depends on what the goal is. I'll have some people who come to me and say, you know, I've never had my chart done. I want to know what I'm working with. Okay, that's cool. So what we do in that type of situation is walk someone through their key vibrations, where these planets are the strongest placed, and let them know what circuits are in their chart that they have to work with. And in that type of situation, your natal chart never changes. That could be a one and done. People are like, oh, this is cool. Now I know about this. Uh, great. Okay. Now, when you're wanting to look at things regarding timing or what can I expect over the next year in my life or is a move coming up in my world or what have you, then we look at what's referred to as the transits, which are the planets in the sky right now. And we're looking and comparing where they are, to how that relates to the placements in our natal chart. Now, that sounds very complicated because it is. What we use you know, now in this day and age, we have the ability to put our natal chart in the system. We know where the planets are going to be. They've been calculating those for you know millennia, so there's no surprise there. And we're able to see where the planets in the sky are lighting up or activating or completing circuits, whatever terminology you want to use, in your natal chart that brings things out into the open. So people come to see me for all sorts of different reasons. They're thinking of a career change. They feel stuck. They don't know, you know, why they feel so drained all the time. When will it change? Should I start a business? If so, when? Anything that has to do with getting clarity and wanting to get that weather report on, astrology okay. can help give some insights. A timing is another one. Timing's really fun. I had someone come to me about a month and a half ago. They said, want to get married in June of 2025. And this is someone who's actively involved with astrology from the standpoint of studying it. They know some fundamentals. They said, I've got three dates that it could be. It could be this, this, or this. Help me figure out which of those is the most optimal for the wedding. And we have techniques that we could do that based on looking at where the planets are going to be placed versus the relationship to the individual's natal chart 
And, you know, does it guarantee anything? No. But what it does do is it maximizes the opportunity that you've got. It's sort of like when the farmer goes out and plants their new crops when the time is right. If you wait two weeks later, you might have missed a golden opportunity. Right. Doesn't mean things aren't going to grow, but they may not grow as strong. If you do it two weeks sooner, you might be a little too cold in the earth and the seeds may get a slow start. So it's all about that maximizing of timing based on your energy and how it resonates with the universe at whole. Interesting. All right. Hello, beautiful souls. It's Karen again. Today, I have something special for those of you that are looking to infuse your days with a routine that brings you positive energy, peace, connection to self. If you've ever wanted to start a daily spiritual practice, but you have felt daunted by the idea, you're not alone in that. And I understand that setting aside hours for meditation or self-reflection just isn't feasible in our busy lives. So that's why I've created a guide that's tailored just for you. It's simple, effective, and the best part is it takes less than 10 minutes a day. So you don't need to overthink or overwhelm yourself. This is just about opening your heart and mind to small, powerful practices that are going to help bring immense positive changes. In this guide, you're going to find easy, accessible ways, and you get to pick the best way for you to connect with self, with soul, with the world around you. So if you are ready to begin a journey that nourishes your soul, that brings you closer to the oneness of life, visit RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N podcast.com and look for the box that says change your life with a simple daily routine. It's completely free and it's a wonderful first step towards a more fulfilled and connected life. Now back to the podcast for more insights and inspiration. And what would be a piece of advice? So if someone is thinking of reaching out to an astrologer, what should they know? So the biggest piece of advice I can give to people who are considering seeking out an astrologer is you've got to connect and resonate. See, this whole idea of vibration and resonance, it's, it's everywhere with the person who you are going to seek that consultation from. Now, what does that mean? That means that if you're listening to me and it's like, I don't like all this data stuff. This guy's, you know, I don't know, there's too much math. And then I'm not your guy. I turn a lot of people away. If someone comes to me and wants a traditional archetypal type of reading, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just not what I do. It's like going to the bakery and asking for a T-bone steak. They don't sell it. <laughs> so, so you got to go to the butcher shop. And, and the beautiful thing about the internet is that you can basically audition astrologers, for lack of a better term, because you can see their website. Do they have videos posted? What is their style like? Some astrologers are, you know, pretty intense. They're a little fire and brimstone type stuff. If you're into that, well, go find someone who does that. Others are a bit more gentle. Others, like myself, fall into that camp where data is important. And I get a lot of people who come to me who said, you know, I would never in a million years do this. But the only reason I'm here is because of the data component. Mm -hmm. So there's something for everyone. Now, the other thing that I'll mention, and this is going to upset younger astrologers, but I'm sorry. You need someone who's been around planet Earth for a while. Why is that? Well, because I think in order to be a good astrologer, yeah, you got to know the astrology. 
Absolutely. And anyone can study that. But you also need to have lived some life. So I find it hard for someone, you know, who hasn't had as much life experience to be able to give insights to people that integrate life and the astrology. So look for someone well-seasoned, which generally means someone over 30. And again, I I feel the pitchforks coming at me now. Uh, But, you know, let's face it. If someone's in their, you know, midpoint of life or beyond that, they're not going to feel comfortable consulting with someone who's you know half their age. Right. Because here's the thing. You know, I consult with someone. It's a lot more than just going over the placements. It's a dialogue. It's the weaving of the astrology information in addition to life experience. We have free will at the end of the day. So I'm never telling someone, you got to do this. You know, I just present the information. I'm the cosmic weather forecaster. Yeah. And I'll do that in a way and paint the picture and, and do the analogy and bring this to life. Because if an astrologer explains things, whether it's online or you run into them someplace in a way that you don't understand, they're probably not a good fit for you. Because some astrologers like to really get into the astroese. I like to say, well, your sun is squaring your moon and it's in this. And that's all fine. But what does it mean to the person at the end of the day? Right. So the way I do consults, I generally. If someone studies astrology, I'll give them that information so that they know where it's coming from. But then I explain it in very, very simple, practical terms that anyone can understand, even if you know nothing about astrology. So it's the ability to not only know the craft, but can that be communicated to the person who needs the information? Okay. So what do you have to say about going to the daily newspaper and looking at my astrology reading for the day? Yes. Because those are pretty general. And sometimes when I read through all of them, I think they all apply to me. So here are my thoughts about daily forecasts. And I'll go on record and say, I do daily forecasts on TikTok. I do them a little differently than most astrologers. I'll explain how that happens in a second. But I equate the daily forecasts in astrology as the junk food of astrology. (laughs) And here's what I mean. A little bit of junk food isn't going to hurt anybody. In fact, it could be quite enjoyable and fun and, you know, maybe give you a little boost. However, no major life decisions should be made on a daily horoscope anywhere, including the ones that I produce. So then why do them? Well, let me explain how I do them, and then you can kind of see how this all fits together. So when I do forecast, I'm looking at the major vibrational planetary patterns that are in the sky for that particular day. And you'll see when you go to look at them, I never mention a sign. I cringe sometimes when I say, well, uh, these four signs are going to experience this. They're talking about maybe, you know, all the the mutable signs or all the cardinal. And these five, it's like, yeah, maybe, but probably not. And by nature, a generalized forecast needs to be pretty general because it has to be. You got two sentences to convey a whole mess of information. Right. Having said all that, I believe that the universe puts stuff in front of us when we need to see it. So there may be some times when you open up Cosmopolitan and happen to look at their weekly horoscope and it speaks to you. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But at the same point, realize what it is and what the limitations are. It's like a quick 
snapshot of the weather. And and here, going back to that weather analogy, they may say, well, uh, a Taurus can expect a whole bunch of turmoil today. All right, maybe. But think about weather and storms. They may say in your town, oh, so-and-so, such-and-such town is going to be slammed with rain today, later this afternoon. And you're in the same town, but you're on the north end, and that's happening on the south end. You may have clear skies. What makes it personal is integrating it with our natal charts, which obviously can't be done through a, a daily forecast or horoscope. But I think they have their place. You just don't want to overemphasize or overstretch their capabilities because the weather report that you could be getting may not even be relevant to you, even if you are from that same sign, because it just doesn't connect with you as to where you're at. That's true. All right. Thank you for that. So that all said, uh, we're looking into 2024 right now. Yes. And we can get a general weather forecast, I suppose, for 2024 in my area of the world. But what do you have to say for the next year? So, you know, again, to get into super specifics is virtually impossible. So we got to look at the big trends. So to do that, we look at the Pluto cycle. Pluto is a planet that moves around the zodiac very slowly. It takes 248 years for that planet to move around. Wow. It has been dancing in and out of Aquarius for a little bit of time. On January 20th of 2024, it moves into Aquarius for just about the next 20 some odd years. There's one little period in 2024 in October where it dances back into Capricorn for a little bit, but then it goes into Aquarius. All right. So who cares? So what? Here's why Pluto is important. Pluto is a generational planet, meaning it moves very slowly. So it affects generations at a whole. Mm. Now, Aquarius, here's what the data has suggested regarding Aquarius from a VA perspective. Everyone is equal. We are all part of a network. Okay. So when we talk about the Aquarian age, it's almost like the democratization of information and access and abilities. So with Pluto moving into that sign, think of Pluto as this energy force. And Pluto has got an intensity and a compulsion about it. That could be good or bad, depending on how that's aspecting things in your own chart. But for the collective, the idea is with Pluto moving into Aquarius, if you think you've seen things regarding information and technology and advancements over the past year, and by the way, OpenAI comes to mind, the chat GPT, that's not even at a year yet. And what has happened in that period of time as far as new businesses starting and progress made, we haven't seen anything yet. Because Aquarian tendencies, you know, if we're all part of a network, well, that's all part of information that we are then able to access and share. And, you know, gone are the days where you have to rely on the big three news channels to bring you the news. People are getting viable news on their phone by following TikTok and live streamers. It's the democratization of that information so that. The power is not just held by a few. Everyone, now, obviously, you got to follow the right sources. You know, if you follow someone who's reporting junk, uh, you, you need to use a little bit of discretion there. But that's one example of how this Pluto thing, it's exciting and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> 
because, you know, Pluto tends to upheave things. You know, another astrologer friend of mine made a really good description of Pluto. When the, the planet of Pluto is involved, think of it like a coal miner going down into the earth and pulling stuff up out of the earth, things that we didn't even know were there. And sometimes it's like, oh my goodness, I found a, a diamond. And then other times it's like, oh, here's a big old rock that I didn't know was sitting there, but it's pulling everything out into the open. And with Pluto moving into this, into Aquarius, and then, by the way, after, uh, I'd have to pull the dates, but um, I think it only stays in Capricorn just for a, a month or so toward the end of 2024. Then it's going to be in Aquarius for like 20 some odd years. Wow. So I think we're really entering into a phase where the advancements are going to really be crazy. There's a lot of rumblings about extraterrestrial that types. Of, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but. It wouldn't surprise me if we got some data over the next five to 10 years that maybe pulled back the curtain on things that people have suspected. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me with that type of situation with Pluto getting involved. So that that's going to affect everyone. A couple of other things to be aware of. In addition to that happening, I think it's important to note something that occurred not too long ago, and this was back in November of this year. So on November 4th, Saturn went direct in Pisces. Now Saturn, as I mentioned before, is the planet that takes things away so that we can get to the essence of the matter. It cuts out superfluous information. It cuts out the frills. We don't like it sometimes when Saturn aspects our chart because it can take away our toys, but it helps us focus on the essentials. So from June 17th of this year, until November 4th, Saturn was moving retrograde. And that just means it's the appearance of the planet moving backward, backwards in the solar system and in the sky. Well, during that time, it's like, well, all my stuff's getting taken away, but I don't know what needs to happen next. And people have felt like they were in a holding pattern, waiting for the shoe to drop. I don't know what we're going to do. It's like, I'm on hold. You know, everyone's saying, clean out my house, but then what do I do? Fill it up with other stuff? I, I don't know. So with Saturn going direct on November 4th, people are feeling now, at least my clients are telling me, that it's like, okay, I got rid of whatever the clutter was in my life, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, and now I'm able to finally start rebuilding. And that energy moves forward into 2024 as well. It's like we've been waiting. We're not really sure what the next deal is going to be. But things start to come into focus, and there still may be more cutting out of things and cutting things to the bone. But now you're moving in a direction that enables you to actually make some headway and not feel kind of stalled. Out. Let's look at one last thing here. How about if I give you a little bonus on the holiday season? Because oh, sure, know about that. So Mercury. That's not everybody. Even if no one knows anything about astrology, so oh, Mercury retrograde. Who? Here's the deal. Retrogrades are not bad, by the way. Retrogrades simply are a time to reflect. Every planet goes retrograde except the sun and the moon. You'll experience these planets moving backward in the sky periodically. And all it is is a time to reflect on whatever the energy that that planet is regulating. Okay. Okay. So when Mercury goes retrograde, Mercury connects thoughts and ideas. This is when we communicate. It regulates our ability to learn or communicate to others in written form and a whole bunch of other things under the communication umbrella. 
people say, well, when it goes retrograde, everything's going to, you know, you got mechanical issues and machinery doesn't work and phone systems. And yeah, that can happen, but it's a time to step back and be a little extra careful. I know another astrologer who likes flying during Mercury retrogrades because people are checking things more carefully, even if they don't know anything about astrology. It's just, it's, it's like this energy to, to check, to make sure that we know what we're going to say before we open our mouth. So I say all that to say Mercury goes retrograde December 13th, just in time for the holidays. And it stays retrograde until January 1st. So what does that mean? It means pick and choose your conversations carefully when you're gathering around the holiday table. <laughs> yeah, good point. This is not the time to advocate fiercely your position on whatever religion, politics, the cosmos, step back and study a little bit and lay low. When a planet is retrograde, that's the time when we really don't want to take a tremendous amount of action in that area. Someone had come to me, they wanted to launch a business campaign, that, like a marketing thing for a new product. And at the time, I remember Mars, which is the planet of action, and that's what gets stuff done. It was retrograde for about another three weeks. And you don't want to do anything during a retrograde that involves putting a lot of energy out there because the energy comes right back on you. It's sort of like, you know, when you spray a hose in the wind and whoop, you get all that water in your face. So I said, hang out a little bit. You know, it's not a critical thing that you got to get this moving now. Wait until Mars goes direct and give it a week or so to kind of get into that orbit. And the situation worked out for them. But this is the type of thing that we, that we look at going back to one of your earlier questions as far as the overall energy. When does it make sense to do something? When does it maybe not make sense? Because just like the farmer, if you plant seeds in the dead of winter, you could do it. No one's going to stop you, but you're not going to get any growth because the environment is not suited for that. Okay. That's perfect. It just helps to know when to optimize your chances of something. That's exactly it. And by yeah. the way, just as a little tidbit, you know, because I touched on the faith-based stuff before, I'm aware of not one, but two preachers who are active preachers who consult with their clients using astrology uh -huh. because, believe it or not, there are references to astrology in the Bible. You can be faith-based and use astrology. The two can coexist and do. Yeah, It's a misnomer that it's an either-or thing. And on the other side, you got astrologers who say, well, if you, you know, if you work with astrology, you know, why are you bogged down with religion? At the end of the day, you got to do you. And both can coexist. And in VA, it all exists. The physics, the astrology, the astronomy, because it's all vibration. So it has to all exist at the same time. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Well, I know I want to follow you on TikTok and I want to let my listeners know where to find you for everything. So do you want to, um, of course, we'll have links in the show notes, but how do we find you on TikTok? How do we find you online? It's very, very easy because it's consistent everywhere. So the main website is blueridgeastrology.com. That's blueridgeastrology.com. Now on TikTok, same moniker. Just search for Blue Ridge Astrology. I'll come right up. Same on Instagram, same on Facebook. We didn't talk about this, but I want to give a discount to any of your folks, uh, if that's okay. Is that cool? Yes. Okay. And I didn't plan on this ahead of time, so we'll have to come out with the code and you'll put that in the show notes, but it'll be 20% off 
of any personal consultation that they wish to book with me. Fantastic. So put that in the show notes. And again, you can handle that on blueridgeastrology.com. But I encourage people, follow me on TikTok just to get a feel for what it's all about. And you'll learn a lot. Go back and look at previous forecasts because in every forecast, I tell you where the energy is coming from. It's quick. It's to the point. And just by watching those, you start to get a feel for how vibrational astrology functions and works. And you can actually begin to learn the meanings of these planets. And to me, it's just fascinating. New discoveries are being made all the time. And and I could talk about this stuff for days and do. <laughs> well, that's good. This explorer here is going to start following you so I can start learning more about it because I don't know much about it. So thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you. I look forward to actually, you know, learning more. And to my listeners, thank you for being here. And we'll talk again soon. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.